something different This way comes something Something different Something different Something different This way comes something Something different Something different Today on Something Different This Way Comes I talk with Ken Shields the green transport activist and super volunteer I started to get to know properly at the Northwest Climate Gathering last month. For this chat, we met at the Sleeping Giant Brewery between when we both got off work and nerd night with enough time to order a meal before it all started, as well as recording this conversation. Nerd night, you ask? We'll get to that. So, Ken and I each ordered a beer, then looked for a quiet corner and found it in the shop front, Now, I record on an old laptop. It's got to be plugged in. So I scan the walls for plugs. And the first one I found would have me blocking off the entrance to the bathroom, which wouldn't do. So the next one we spotted was tucked behind a fridge full of lovely, locally brewed beers. I'm mentioning all of this for two reasons. Firstly, the fridge's motor is very audible. It was grumbling into my microphone almost throughout our conversation. I didn't notice until I'm editing tape. It's much more audible on tape than it seemed in person. As humans, we're really good at tuning out background noises in our day-to-day life. But a microphone is not so nimble. I say almost throughout because at one point, twice in fact in the conversation, the fridge's motor did stop for a few moments. You'll hear those moments. Now, making indoor electronics like that fridge more efficient so they don't have to run almost all the time would be hugely impactful in getting us from carbon dumping to carbon capturing It's not just the energy efficiency that would require us to change something so ubiquitous and unsexy as big storefront fridges that also need to be replaced, and many are. The refrigerants used in all but those bought recently with a climate action purpose, those are huge carbon emitters. In fact, I'll put a link to a CBC article detailing recent research into this climate action front in the show notes. So it's kind of ironic that that was our next-door neighbor as we had this chat. And I know Sleeping Giant Brewery does a lot of things to help wherever, however they can, so that one might not be one of the ones with a troublesome refrigerant that's featured in that article, but it all seemed a fitting setting in many ways for our conversation, in which we talk a lot about active transportation and electrification because these are passions for Ken that he has incredible insight into and energy to pursue and support year after year. Our conversation inspired me to compose a song, of course. I'm calling it It's Totally Worth It. Here's the chorus. Let's move from ice to nice. Internal combustion engines, gotta go. thing after our chat. Once we talk about all those nice alternatives, there are to ice internal combustion engines, but we also talk about doing what you can do 
and how you can't just do it all, all at once. In fact, sometimes you can do something like swearing off plastic bags, only to find them forced upon you, for example. An example we'll get to. Sometimes that means you got to record a podcast with a grumbling fridge motor fighting hard to drown out your quieter comments because that's the only spot with a plug. And sometimes when you've done a dozen things that all make a difference, it's the one thing you haven't been able to figure out how to change yet. You haven't found the resources or the time or the solution that works for you. That's the one thing that draws your attention like a pebble in your shoe or your show. So... Ken and I settled ourselves on stools by the fridge, with my computer and amp balanced on top of the barrel acting as a table between us, and our drinks slowly warming to room temperature on the window ledge as we recorded this chat. And right off the hop, Ken made my day by handing me two copies of the planning progress model we called Hope's Progress that we used at the Northwest Climate Gathering to help turn conversations and information into action plans. The ones we taped up at the gathering gradually got covered in bright post-it notes declaring hopes and actions and hopes for action. But the ones Ken handed me had carefully typed responses in each of the boxes provided. Beautiful. I love it. Well, I didn't have time at the climate gathering to fill in the blanks and put up uh, sticky notes on my uh, problems, barriers, resources, sequined plan, and goals. So I made two for this talk. I love that. I so love that because we put them up and then people just kind of randomly stuck thoughts on them. And when we sat down to say, what are the themes here? The main thought we had was most people haven't gotten past the what's the difference between a problem and a solution. It was all kind of identifying problem stage of things. But you stood, you said I didn't have a minute, but you clearly looked at it and said, this could be helpful. How would I apply this? And you did. Okay, so walk me through one. Give me the problem-solving template for... Well, this one is for getting active transportation moving, literally, in Thunder Bay. Um, Been working at it for 23 years. Yeah, I'm not going to council so much, but just to administration. And it's it's been a struggle, and I'm not done yet. (laughs) I still got some life in me, so I'm still working at it. So the problem is that it's not safe, easy, or enjoyable to travel by bicycle to basically the inner city shopping area where most things happen. The the shopping, the uh, entertainment, the restaurants, and um, workplaces for people, right? And that is kind of the bottleneck between different areas too. Like it's, it's a it's a way to places and through places, too. Mm-hmm. And the roads are very large and wide and fast. So there's 60 kilometers an hour through that area. And so if you're a pedestrian or a cyclist, it's, it's very challenging, especially if, um, well, at my stage I can do it, but I wouldn't bring my child. I wouldn't bring a grandson down there. And a lot of people are just, uh, the fear factor is just too much for them. So... And there is like alternate routes up outside of that main cluster, like right in front of my office, they put that new bike path and I see, it's amazing how many more people actually I see walking and biking, but it's still not as many people as are driving by a long shot, right? And they've had the one along the river forever, same thing, but that doesn't mean we don't need to do it where everybody travels. So the Balmoral right-of-way is very large and wide, and so that's where how they had the space to put two active transportation uh, multi-use paths on either side of the road. But there's no way to go east down to inner city 
you know, like there's other big office places that we are at on Balmoral, but uh, to get downtown to shopping is is a little bit of a challenge. So my barriers, uh, the streets are designed for fast motor vehicle traffic. The city and the public, basically, are car-centric. They jump in their vehicles everywhere they go. So my resources, there's a few. The cities have actually wrote them up. The Active Transportation Master Plan and the Net Zero Strategy Plans, uh, they outline the goals of protected bike lanes on May and Memorial Avenue. So a few little connections to, say, up to Balmoral, like you described, that would do it. So my sequenced plan, my my. My plan is to uh, lobby council to have active transportation and the net zero plans funded year over year. I was quite surprised that the uh, big soccer plex, the indoor turf, uh, there was money set aside for that. Why isn't there money set aside for climate change? Uh, the active transportation and the net zero plans. That doesn't uh, compute to me. For me, that was a huge takeaway of the gathering is to get a greater clarity on the difference between all of us saying we want something, there being a declaration you're getting what you want, and then how many obstacles there can be between this declaration and an actual realization, like deciding to fund it every budget season. Yeah, it's like a 2035 is the active transportation end goal. That's not far away. That's like 12 years. And how much money is set aside every year? Well, we'll see. That's it. So they look to other levels of government. And since uh, the current government's been in Ontario, they've axed all the active transportation funding that came from the cap and trade. So um, there hasn't been a lot of money from the other levels of government. We've got to do it ourselves if we're, if we're going to do it. We want to put our money literally where our mouth is. Yeah. And, and get people out of uh, the need to jump in their car every time they want to go downtown. Because your point is, it's not just infrastructure decisions. That influences culture. But also, when the infrastructure is so unsafe, you know, you have to build a new habit. But why would you when it takes such courage <laughs> to walk on a busy road that has no proper sidewalk and, you know, a deep ditch on one side? And it's a social justice piece, too, because not everybody can drive a vehicle or can afford a vehicle. They're not cheap to run and buy. Um, so if you're going to expect people to work downtown, you should be able to give them a path to get there on their own. So my end goal is something that I inherited from Dean Stamler, that Memorial Link. And it goes from basically City Hall to Oliver Road on May and Memorial Avenue. And it's in the Act of Transportation Plan. They call it something else. I haven't looked at it lately. Um, but it's the ultimate route or something like that. And so it's in the active transportation plan, but again, it's not funded. They, the whole plan is $20 million or something. There should be $1 or $2 million a year going towards uh, projects like this. And so if the memorial link was in place, anybody could ride there. 8 to 88, I like to say, is a catchphrase. 8 years old to 88 could, would feel comfortable because they're separated from traffic. Gosh, as a parent, I just think of all the ways that, that having an active, transportation-friendly city makes a difference. When I was growing up, I was so much more independent than my kids can be because we could bike, we could walk, we could take the bus easily, safely. They were convenient. And so you could tell your kid, all right, you know, you finish school at 3 o'clock, go get your homework done at the library, meet me at my office at 5, I'll give you a lift home. Right now, for him to do that, 
he can walk to the library, that part's easy. But getting him from the library in the, in the North Ward to my office in the Central Ward would be nearly impossible. The, the bus would take him the rest of the evening. The, the bike would be terribly dangerous. The walk, there's not even sidewalks. So investing in what seems like so few people right now is actually laying the groundwork for so many of us to, to be more autonomous and affordable lives. Uh, you know, I teach safe cycling. And one of my favorite jobs is to help people get from A to B in, in town without going on the main routes. So if, uh, if you ever wanted me to take him for a bike ride, I'll be happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also has a plan. He wants to build his own bike over at a Community Spokes and so that he can really understand and repair his own bike. So maybe uh, once that's the winter project's done, next spring we can take to the road with you. That doesn't surprise me having met your child. <laughs> that's great. Um, so that's, um, that's pretty much where I'm at with the active transportation piece. It was a really good deal at that climate gathering. I picked up some followers on the Just Bike T-Bay Facebook group. So when I go to city council, um, I can ask people to come with me. I've also collected quite a number of, I call them Viking biking people. And they ride their bicycles all year round. They put studded tires on their bike or fat tires like I have. And uh, they commute every day. You know, I mean, if the snow is, is too deep to ride your car in, they can't go. And a lot of them are female. They're like shield maiden Viking biking ladies. It's, it's awesome. So last year I took a couple of them to City Hall and I, I got them to present. And it was, I think it was something because I've, it's been said to me, why are we building all these bike lanes and we can't use them in the wintertime? Hmm, why don't you plow them? Why don't you, why don't you do what Montreal does and plow them first? Clear the bike lanes and then clear the road for the four-wheeled machines. We went to Montreal this summer and rented a tandem, my wife and I, and, and it's just amazing, the infrastructure. They close streets all year round, and it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. That's where Dean Stamler ended up. <laughs> well, but but that, that's where I came from. I came here from there 20 years ago, and I used to bike everywhere. Like I had a car. I used it to tour, and I bicycled everywhere, and there wasn't really the infrastructure. There was a huge debate about it. There were some lanes. There were just a few places where they'd started to put in, much like Thunder Bay now, 20 years later, right? And the argument was it's a small city. It's very dense. The roads are too narrow. How could we ever close a road off? And then once they did it, it became an attraction. It became like a, an economy builder. When I was living there, too, lots of main commercial areas were half empty you know lots of buildings were literally falling down and now it's a it's a hive of activity the turnaround i mean i can't completely credit it to getting more into active transit but i think this mindset of change is dangerous you don't have to look far to see that actually changes and a huge opportunity for better um, Dean uh, moved there about five years ago and they went without a car until just recently because otherwise his wife would be four hours commuting every day. But lots of people just can go without them or without their second vehicle. So they'll have uh, an e-bike or something to, to haul the heavy loads like kids <laughs> <laughs> so they can get around without a second, second vehicle. 
Okay, that's where we, we first chatted most recently, is at, is at the uh, e-vehicle show that I went to at the CLE, not this year, last year's one, and you and I chatted a little bit, and it was clear that you were, you know, the spider at the middle of the maze. You'd had a, a part in figuring out how the whole thing would come together and bringing lots of people contributing in different ways to make that. What was really powerful is not just that I got to see electric vehicles and get the questions answered, but that I got to meet people who'd chosen to do this as the vanguard, right? And and hear their firsthand experience, not as somebody trying to sell me anything, just as somebody willing to volunteer their time and answer lots of people's questions instead of just the ones who happen to see them unlocking their electric vehicle and hustling over to ask them about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good to have owners that you can relate to. So some of the people at the EV show that I can think of um, are on their second vehicle. They've decided to trade up um, or lateral or whatever. And they've gone through five, six winters, just fine. Put winter tires on them, and, and those things are a beast in the snow. We're in really enjoying ours. We're on our third winter. But that EV show wasn't my idea, but I've kind of kept it moving. Not sure if we'll do another one. I think we're going to do more pop-ups where we show up at another group's event, like the Fat Guys um, Auto Show, which is a charity. And we'll show up maybe at the um, Summer in the Parks and just have a little little display and meet the public and let them know that there's another way. You don't need to burn gas to go everywhere. And uh, they're super reliable and fun to drive. And um, I would go without a vehicle if I didn't have family out of town. So we just came back from Dryden. So two 15-minute stops. Little old people need to stop. And uh, so we we plug in when we first get to the town, and then we do our personal business. I say the bellies and the bladders get looked after, and then the batteries are charging, and you're you're good to go. Uh, so it's it's really nice, convenient travel. Uh, we've gone all the way around the Great Lakes a couple times, and um, down to Mini is nothing. Like the charging is perfect, and we're talking a Tesla, but uh, the other manufacturers are catching up. And they're going to go with the Tesla charging standard, which um, has proved to be the, the simplest and easiest way to, to keep moving on the highway. Okay, so that, that's so also cool. Like, I would love to have, our goal is to have an e-vehicle. And what's interesting in our house, because Ben was a total into antique cars, that was one of his areas of obsession as a younger person. And so he watched a bunch of YouTube people and documentaries and read he has uh, a vast frame of reference which led him towards assuming there's something wrong with e-vehicles like there's a lot of sort of stuff out there for a long time that was kind of dissing e-vehicles for a long time and he picks things up kind of like velcro right and then we went to the canadian car museum as a big treat i took him down when we were visiting my parents we spent the day we went down they offered him a job at I think he was 10 at the time, by the time we left. But he also gathered all this additional information. One of the things was that e-vehicles were one of the first vehicles in Canada. They were the most popular for the first long period of people personally owning vehicles. They were considered much safer, quieter, easier to run. And it was only war and a a change in the dynamics of funding that kind of switched that around and, and got us off kilter. At any rate, 
All this to say, it's been interesting to hear him slowly come around to being ready for us to have an e-vehicle. It's not as easy a discussion as you'd think with a kid who's really worried about the fate of the world. <laughs> it's really easy to cling to what's familiar and got all of these great ads and stylistic variety of the way different cars have looked in the combustion world. There's all this frame of reference that's kind of nostalgic even in a 15-year-old compared to the brave new future of a quiet vehicle with less moving parts um, that only needs charging and doesn't need fossil fuels anymore. But it's really exciting to me to have a quieter world and a safer world and an easier to maintain world that doesn't need oil changes. I thought you were going to tell me he's into converting his old uh, jalopies into electric because that's a thing. Um, I can't remember the name of the Iron Man actor converting all his gas-guzzling vehicles into electric. And he's got a series on that. I'll, I'll send that your way when I think of it. Um, so it's, it's definitely the, the future. Um, I've been looking at battery vehicles, hydrogen, for, I don't know, 20 years or something. And it's only recently that they've been to such a degree that you can jump in them and, and go to, say, Sulacout or Dryden or Sault Ste. Marie all in the same day, like, go. So it's, uh, it's time. They are way cheaper to run. Like my hydro bill's up about $30, $40 year over year. Um, and along the highway, uh, those two stops I mentioned were about $20 each. I can't remember the last time I only spent 20 bucks refilling a car tank. <laughs> yeah, and then I'd come home and, and fill it up again, and, and that one fill-up would be probably a buck or two, you know, to get it back up so that I can do, do a little commuting around town. So it's, it's cheaper that way. There, there's a higher entry um, price, um, but they are getting less expensive and there's more competition so eventually it'll happen and in 2035 you won't be able to buy a, a gas or diesel vehicle so it's um, it's good to be an early adopter I don't I didn't think I was when I bought it but I, def- I definitely am because <laughs> there's so many people want to hear about them and are are concerned and we get a little I had a lot of bike lash if you know what that means, the backlash from riding a bike or demanding infrastructure. And now I get EV lash because <laughs> it's like they'll never work in this country and all this kind of stuff. And how are you going to what are you going to do out in the bush? And I was like, well, you know what? When you go out in the bush, you can't make gas, but you can make electricity. If you put solar panels up on your roof of your cottage, you can trickle charge a car out in the country. So... If you want it bad enough, you can make it possible. So it's just a little different mindset and thinking through the problems. Um, and there still are some in my mind because there's no charging infrastructure on the Geraldton, Hearst, Timmins. There's not much for fast charging along there. Same to uh, Fort Francis. So there's some more to come. Um, but the more and more vehicles out there, the more demand there will be for, for charging stations. The other thing that I just recently heard is that apparently the world is ahead of the curve when it comes to e-bikes and other small motor electric transit. Not because of North America, it's because of China, India, and that whole side of the world has both did some policy stuff that got over the hump of it being more expensive as an initial vehicle. And then as soon as that was removed, when it's so much cheaper to maintain and so much 
easier to maintain as well, like less can go wrong. It's just taken off and it's exceeded. We're way ahead of the curve on meeting our goals for that side of vehicles. And so, again, if you, if you combine the two, if we had more safe ways to get around on, on paths and smaller vehicles like bicycles, how much more of a level playing field and of an open door would we have here? Because if you got to go out and then just get in a car, that's different than going out and climbing on your bike and getting across the city. Yeah, it takes me a little more prep to go to work on my bike than in the car. I take the car when I've, when I've got errands to do, pretty much. Um, so it takes, and I have a checklist when I go on the bike uh, to make sure I don't get off uh, down the road and have to turn around again. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's super enjoyable and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of peaceful and you get to think a little more. Um, so like I was mentioning, I, I have a, a nice route to get to my office, which is on Balmoral. It's sweet at times and I'm, there's no conflict. I take the lane where necessary on a four lane, two lanes in either way, I take the lane. It's safe cycling from Eco Superior that's taught me to do that. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I've got uh, the fat bike this winter, so it'll be the first winter commuting with that thing. So we'll see how that goes. I just think the future looks bright. The other thing I want to talk about, which was in there, is you seem to have a willingness and a remarkable grace to step into the fray and with a positive attitude, just do what clearly needs to be done here. So when I totally, as one always does with technology, underestimated the technological needs of the gathering until the 11th hour. And then I had this vision of Ben with his problem-solving capacity and his interest in computers, just kind of quietly, peacefully sitting at the hub of it all and solving problems when problems happened. And then he said, Mom, that's terrifying, that prospect. Don't do that to me. And I said, can somebody help? And there you were. And when you showed up, you showed up and you didn't just show up to help. You showed up to just quietly make sure everything that needed to happen would happen. You were a godsend. You really were, Ken. I really thank you. But I feel like it's a pattern I'm seeing when you talk about, well, I wasn't the one who came up with the idea for the EV show. I just helped make sure it happened. And, you know, where would you say your willingness to kind of make sure something that started gets as good a go as it can be, where is that rooted in and, and how important is it to you? So if I think back to my advocacy work, all I wanted was a culvert, would you believe it? There's a dog park uh, on the old train tracks from Carrick Street to Winnipeg, and there was a big ditch there. And I said to the city a number of times, we need to fix that. And they said, oh yeah, we're going to do that. Five years later, it didn't happen. So <laughs> I asked a few people, how can I make this happen? And so I made a little petition made sure that the city clerk would have been happy with it to present it to council. I didn't have to do it because they saw me coming. And I went to CBC. My friends at CBC gave me an interview. And uh, next thing I know, they're digging out the culvert and it's still there. I want to get them to pave the thing because they don't plow it in the wintertime. So it's it's a three-season trail. Um, but that wasn't my idea. The culvert was not my idea. It was the city's idea. I was just like, that's a great idea. Why isn't it happening? Um, Memorial Link. So Dean Stamler, he dreamt that up and my jaw just dropped. I was just like, yeah, <laughs> totally. And then he left town. So I'm keeping the website going and keeping the, the concept, you know, um, as much as possible 
bring it out whenever I can. And then the EV show was uh, a friend on the North Shore, Laura Mason, and she said we should do a show. And I said, okay, great. And she's not involved anymore, and I'm still doing it. And um, I'm not sure what my wife thinks of all this stuff, but uh, we're we're having fun. And so it's funny with the Teslas, there's no dealership in town. So we have a support group because not everybody is comfortable with doing the research to figure out all the all the intricacies of a pretty complicated machine, right? And so they come to uh, coffee or breakfast and they ask questions and we, you know, figure things out for them. And then the Facebook, of course, people will put up, you know, where do I get it fixed or how do I do this? And so I kind of keep that that going too. And it's just, just fun. If I can help, I will. If I don't know, I'll either figure it out or point them in the right direction and and it's all for the greater good. Like when I was a kid, there was a oil crisis in the States. I was like 10 years old or something. And the teacher was having it like a current event thing. And he was talking about oil's a finite resource and it's horribly polluting and destructive. And here's this 10-year-old kid thinking, huh, we'll do something else, won't we? <laughs> are we going to figure something else? So here we are 50 years later and we're still burning oil. <laughs> so... So anything I can do personally to, you know, change our lifestyle. I know you have a heat pump. We still have a gas furnace. I'm going to let it run its life out. Um, probably sell the house first because <laughs> it just won't quit. But uh, so whatever we can do to, you know, make our carbon footprint as small as possible. We don't fly. I don't need to fly for work. So we're probably got one trip to Europe in us and that, that'll be about it. So... We just do is try to live as lightly as we can. And it feels good. Like, it feels good to know that you're, that you're doing what you can do. It feels good to do something productive with other people. Like they say for parenting, they say if you only have your big conversations, like the only time you sit down and talk to your child is like a face-to-face, we have to talk about this. And it's really hard for that to be a successful conversation if that's the only way you ever have serious conversations. So what's the solution? They're like, well, have chores you do together, have games you play together, have meals you eat together, have a habit of just being in each other's company and doing something productive together. Mm -hmm. And that makes all the difference in the relationships you build. That's really the key to having a happy life with solid relationships is not just spending time together, but spending productive time together. And I feel like that's what you're saying that you get out of a lot of these things. You don't just get sucked in and now I'm stuck with this job I didn't start. You're getting something out of it, you know? You're getting relationships and knowing that you're contributing and it it feels good. Mm -hmm. And being open and honest is helpful in any relationship. And so people will say to me, well, you know what? It doesn't really work for me. And so either figure out how to make it work or, you know, admit that, well, that's a challenge. It's, it's not easy to get there. Try, try going this way instead or, you know, work out some other solution. It's all good. And I, I totally enjoy it. And the connections I have, the, you know, the lists of people that I can, on my Rolodex that I can call up when I'm going to city council or something, it's, uh, it's enriched my life for sure. All this, uh, I guess, advocacy or activism. I feel like this podcast was for me a reason an excuse to f- pull out my own Rolodex and say, oh, I, I want an excuse to talk to that person. It wasn't necessarily their, their, their chum. And certainly in COVID, uh, that, that 
distance got greater than it had been made by being a mom who suddenly was not out socializing the same way or as much. But I, I completely, I completely relate to your love of your Rolodex. You know? <laughs> yeah. And COVID was tough on extroverts. Um, so I'm making up for lost time, maybe. I don't uh, take anything for granted anymore um, with respect to, you know, pandemics and such. Like, who saw that coming? Uh, we're waiting for the locusts, I guess, at this point. But, yeah, so it it's uh, it's all good. We just keep trugging. We did a Christmas parade. First time we had five electric vehicles. That was the maximum for... I'll say an entry, not really a float because we didn't float anything. And it was an absolute blast. And so I'm not sure about the Parade of Lights, but I, I understood that uh, Synergy North, who was a co-sponsor for the EV show, they have an electric truck. So they mentioned that they might be putting something in, but I haven't had a report on that. So it's just one of the funny things. And, and we've got some good people that will uh, come up with some ideas and, you know, we can work on them and, and have more fun and present things to people and make them make them think twice about maybe they could make a different choice to to get around right how did you get to be part of the gathering did i rolodex you uh summer it was summer summer did uh summer stevenson from uh, the city she um and i were working together on the ev show and she said uh what about heather mcleod's climate gathering and i'm like or what <laughs> so uh i think she put us together for sure yeah but i was so glad you showed up but what did you expect though what did i expect from the climate gathering so i sort of knew the players who would be there i don't know how many people i'd known previously but not super super well that i got to know better i was totally impressed with the with the speakers like they are punching way above my weight with, uh, you know, their level of knowledge of their their subjects and whatnot. Like, my thing is just green transportation, so it's pretty pretty narrow. And they got some big pictures there. I had such a blast with them. Um, I don't want to call it any particular person, but uh, there was one, one lady I hope, to, I hope to run into again because uh, she was calling me Uncle Kenny. <laughs> She'll know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was fun. I mean, it was uh, you know it was exhausting because we had some long days there. Well, we had to totally like a- assemble this this system and try to make it talk nicely to itself, and then disassemble it and do it again. Yeah, yeah if we had totally done that in my office, it'd be like turn the lights on, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't, and it was like a traveling road show with your um, sound and lights and projector and and the screen and and oh yeah we got to do it on zoom too it's a we got a virtual audience we got our we got in bricks and mortar we got people there and it's just you know so that they can stay connected with each other and ask questions of each other and oh my gosh it was something so hopefully next year it can be in one venue maybe and uh, maybe the university or the college where there's already kind of a setup in a theater I'm dreaming. (laughs) (laughs) I like the way you're going. I like the way you're going. But also how about the idea of there being so many parallel threads that impact one another but might never even bump into each other within this really huge topic. It it can feel small when you first worry about climate change. You're like, how do we stop the burning of fossil fuels? And the problem is it's so integrated, right? You did a problem-solving chart on that. Yeah, so I did another one <laughs> because it was so funny at the end. Somebody pointed out that, well, how come nobody put stickies up there about getting off oil? 
like stop burning oil. It was just like, and then somebody else said, well, duh, that's kind of, kind of obvious. Isn't that why we're here? So maybe that's why nobody puts stickies up. So I remedied that, I think. We'll see. So the problem is the burning of fossil fuels is causing climate change, yet we need devices in our personal life. So the barriers are that we have a carbon economy. We've had it for a long time. And it's entrenched in our industry and a government. They don't want to stop buying pipelines and all that stuff. So, And our resources uh, would be the electric green products that can replace existing archaic polluting ice technology. Ice is internal combustion engines for those who aren't, aren't a frequenter of this program. Um, and then our se- my sequenced plan is to do the research, your electric alternatives and incentives, because there are some government incentives. We talked about that. That came up. Yeah, and uh, like for heat pumps as well, right? And choose the EV or e-bike that fits your lifestyle, because there's a myriad of them out there, and you can have a lot of fun shopping. Um, I did that during the pandemic. (laughs) There's nothing else to do. Might as well shop for a car. Uh, So the goal would be to lower the carbon footprint as low as possible. If you can't get to net zero, maybe next next year right and have a better lifestyle without polluting and commuting and I thought of the better lifestyle because we're sitting in our basement and it's time to go out and I'm bringing my wife who's allergic to the cold and you could start the our electric car inside the garage and nobody's gonna die because <laughs> there's no carbon monoxide so you could heat up the cabin five heated seats so I can keep her her buns warm she's gonna hate that I said that and um, and off we go I love it. I do want to, before I let you go to another thing that just kind of came up as we were chit-chatting as you were saving the day and I was trying to keep it all afloat, it was that, that last what, weekend, was the difference between building community online and trying to build support and feel like you can count on it and having a Rolodex, having a, an actual relationship with people that sparks to life when you see their face and you're like, oh there's that person and it was in the context of showing up at council making a deputation and saying I have this many followers on my Instagram or Facebook whatever versus I have this many people standing behind me with bike helmets on (laughs) yes exactly yeah so that's a physical thing again I don't take any of this for for granted you shouldn't take anything for granted at my age but yeah just keep keep swimming (laughs) As, as Dory would say, just keep trying. If it doesn't work this time, just grumble a bit and carry on. Keep, keep trying. It's worth it. It's totally worth it. And why are we doing this, right? For our kids and grandkids. So that um, when we're on our rocking chairs, we can say we, we tried. You know, it's not like we just let it all burn. <laughs> and um, so here we are. It's five degrees warmer or whatever horrible future we have. And uh, we did nothing. So I can't. I can't, uh, I can't imagine myself wanting that. Yeah. Well, the funny thing with did nothing is uh, you take one thing at a time, right? So you, you'd, I don't know, they had, a, they had a thing on CBC. They're like, what do you do for climate change? And I'm like, that is assuming I do one thing. Like, I don't do one thing. I do a heck of a lot of things. They're just little things. They become the way I do things. And, and if, you, if you list them all out, they're, they're kind of long. But they don't feel long. They just feel like 
how I've shifted my Titanic to, to feel a little better about every day. So I'm sure that you don't just do active transit. I'm sure there's other decisions you make in your life that are also in some ways related to, at the end of the day, I want to feel good about the choices I made and the future I seeded. One, like in 2020, we decided to get off plastic, and then every time we went to the curb to get our groceries, it would all be in plastic bags, that kind of a decision. So, like, we had all those boxes for, say, Superstore, right? And we were carrying them everywhere. And then during COVID, we ended up with plastic bags. I couldn't believe how many plastic bags we collected. So, I mean, you can only do what you can do. So now we're shopping in stores. We, we carry around our plastic bags. Uh, the Rebel Salad, I'll give them a little shout out because they have a plastic box program. And uh, you just tick on your order that you've got the plastic reusable box. And uh, you bring in your old one and they give you a new one. And there's no containers. And we keep that plastic box. And then we go to, we go to Subway and, and we get their salad and we present them with this plastic box. Perfect, right? Car. We keep it in the car. Yeah, but it accumulates, it accumulates, and it's not like you have to do it all at once, and it's not like all of us have to do the same things, but we're all doing lots of things, and, and we're demonstrating in all these little decisions throughout our days how much it all matters. It accumulates. So we're here tonight for a nerd night, right, after this, and I've learned a lot at these nerd nights, so I'll give a little another shout-out to Science North because the presenters have um, made us go, huh, maybe there is a different way to, to run your life and you don't need to, um, you know, uh, have the plastic bags in your life. There's another way to, to get your stuff back home. And, uh, and so I, I really enjoy the nerd nights. Yeah. I'm really sad if we're, if we're not in town and we miss one um, because it's an absolute blast and, 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 and they're like-minded. It feels like a safe space eh, for nerds. <laughs> well, the other thing about being a nerd is it's a huge comfort to me. Like the more that I, I know about how the world actually works, what we know about animals, what we know about chemistry, what we know about, you know, natural systems, it's humbling and inspiring and so feeds my soul. And when I'm just spending my days in our human relationships and, and you know, what worries me and, and how things seem to be working and, and who's motivation is what and all the things that as a former journalist was kind of the meat of the news right what do you need to worry about how could it possibly go wrong the truth and uh, depth of facts it's just like a bomb for my soul mm -hmm. yeah so in this group at the nerd nights you'll find uh, smart interesting and funny people and they make it super entertaining and you don't even feel like you're really learning something you know, it's not that in-depth. I mean, they're not going down to molecular molecular level. I don't even know how to say that today. That often, but it's uh, they make it interesting when it, when it does go that way. So, I mean, it's just a matter of, I don't know, like just being open to, to something new and um, not assuming that you know everything, right? To challenge your own um, understanding of things and go, hmm, maybe, maybe I had it wrong. Maybe, maybe there is a different way to, to uh, behave or, or conduct yourself, right? Yeah. So it's just try something different. A lot of things we do, we didn't even decide to do. We just kind of emulated what we saw being done, and then that's, that's solved. How do you do that thing? It's like if that person does it, and you haven't really inspected it and chosen it in a thoughtful way. And so when you get other examples, it can be kind of revelatory. Like, oh, that, oh that's a pick too, and I could do it like that person. Like driving you know, one of the first uh, EVs in town, 
it's amazing how influential you might be. You might not know it, but you're you're choosing to do things a little bit differently. And, and the rest of us were so impacted by that. Oh, there's that way of driving around. He seems to be a thunder bear with the car. Suddenly it seems much more possible. My wife says that our car is the most popular in the 12-year-old demographic, that they just they just go, oh, it's a Tesla, oh my God. Um, but I was just uh, thinking about the groups that uh, we hang out with and it's just... That's that's the only way to go is just to to be with um, kind. That's another positive. At high school, I might have been bullied a little bit for being a nerd, perhaps, but I don't get that here. <laughs> Ditto, absolutely. Thank you so much for for letting your beer grow a little warm while we talked before nerd night. Oh, it's a pleasure, and we'll we'll get up to some shenanigans again. I, I expect. I think so. You're in my Rolodex now. <laughs> Excellent. The good place to be. Ken Shields is a city cycling advocate and a proud electric vehicle owner, as well as the tech mensch volunteer, who brought the biking Vikings to the Northwest Climate Gathering 2023. Now, here's the song I just wrote, inspired by that conversation. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of peaceful, too. You get some time to think And there's the fresh air too I've got my route, my checklist I bicycle If you get wheels, I'll lead you home Let's move from ice tonight Internal combustion engines gotta go Be open to something new It's totally worth it Try again Be open to something new It's totally worth it Try again When I was 10, I learned, I learned in school, oil destroys, pollutes, figure something else out, do what you can to lend a hand, if I can help, I Internal combustion engines gotta go Be open to something new It's totally worth it Try again Be open to something new It's totally worth it Try again This time, just carry on. Why are we doing this? So we can say we didn't just let it all, let it all burn. 
Inspired by today's conversation with Ken Shields, that was totally worth it. Now, after our conversation, I packed up my recording stuff, and we took our warm beers back to the bar for Nerd Night. And I have to give a shout-out to the first presenter. She was funny and passionate and shared a lot of information in her 20 minutes with ease and inspiring grace. And then she gave me her business card so I could join the newsletter she emails out and then know when to show up and where to go for the next water management meeting. See, Michelle Willows is an environmental planner with Lakehead Region Conservation Authority. In this talk, she was introducing the work with fish and the toxins in fish that we catch and eat here, where they come from and and why they matter. And one of the things she mentioned was North Harbor, right in Thunder Bay, which is deeply contaminated from 90 years of a sawmill. It's leaching mercury into Lake Superior, among other nasties. So apparently, she mentioned, action being considered is to dig up that hundreds of thousands of cubic metrics of contaminated waste and put it in the Thunder Bay landfill on John Street. A plan, I got the impression, she thinks is more like moving the problem to another part of our watershed than actually solving it. So... I want to learn more and do more about this work to help heal our lake and watershed. So I emailed her to join the newsletter. There's lots of opportunities, by the way, to be part of healing nature in this region. And if you listen to my interview with Rob Stewart, too, there's a link in that landing page to a whole map of sites that are actively seeking anybody willing to show up and do the plan that's in place and help do some really important and impactful work restoring Mother Nature's borders between bodies of water and the land that feeds them and is fed by them. So many opportunities to make a difference here. And this was an easy one. Join another newsletter. I am in. I've got links to information on this on my landing page. Also, you might want to go there first, links to the two Facebook groups that Ken Shields mentioned that he runs, Just Bike T-Bay and the Memorial Link. You can also Google them to look them up super fast. City Council, by the way, is preparing budget decisions right now, this month. And I'm sure Ken would love your support 
and getting them to finally fund the active transport infrastructure they have long had in their plans. It could just be a culvert in your neighborhood, could be the whole Memorial Link. Check out Just Bike Thunder Bay and the Memorial Link. Add your voice to this call for action. Make Ken's day. I'm Heather McLeod. If you like something different this way comes, please like and follow it. Write a good review. Tell a friend why you listen. You can find lyrics and chords and join my weekly newsletter at somethingdifferentthiswaycomes.ca. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next week. Something different this way comes something, something.